0: He cries out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of this word. Well, we are
1: in the thick of the Christmas season. And uh, anybody, just, your life is just crazy right now, right? You're just, you're bouncing from like one get-together to another, and uh, it's just... You got all these uh, lists of traditions that you're supposed to be doing, you know, and uh, family things you're trying to fit in, and you know you got to watch Charlie Brown's Christmas or It's a Wonderful Life or whatever it is, or you may have a long list, and you're trying to like, okay, well, where do I fit all these in? Because we got this party on this night and that party on this night, and boy, the Christmas season—it's a—it's a a lot of fun if you can survive it. And uh, but you know, we—we've made Christmas really complicated in a lot of ways, and and we've added so much to it, and there's a lot of things that probably come to your mind when you think of Christmas Uh, Christmas trees, Christmas decorations, uh, Christmas songs, there's uh, you know, I mean just google Christmas, you know, wreaths, and there's all the decor side of things, and then you've got all the shopping side of things, and the gift giving side of things, and the cookies and the baking, and the you know, just endless lists of things that we associate with Christmas. And of course many of us in the American church now also kind of feel ourselves to be the defenders of what Christmas is really all about, right? Uh, we, we are the ones that, you know, don't you dare say happy holidays around here. Never mind that that means holy day. But, you know, that's a, don't you dare. It's Merry Christmas because we're all about keeping Christ in Christmas, right? And, and we want to keep Jesus as the center of the season. But I think sometimes, even in the church, we get distracted by the details. Not just of the Christmas season, but even of the Christmas story and we forget what it's all about it's possible they say to miss the forest for the trees right and it's possible I think to get so caught up in in the Christmas story the the idea of the wise men and the shepherds and the sheep and the angels and the stars and the manger even even a, a little baby who never cried according to carols of old right all the trappings of the story and a lot of those things uh, that we've kind of wrapped around it like the animals and the, uh, you know, the donkey that, that actually doesn't show up in scripture but we just hope that Mary had a donkey to ride on if she had to travel all that way, don't we? And, and so there's all these little parts of the story that we love and, and that's what Christmas is about. But is it? Is that really what Christmas is about? I mean, what makes that story so special? See, because for a lot of people, if they're familiar with the Christmas story, it's just a, a fun story about a little baby. Lots of people like to think about baby Jesus more than they like to think about the Jesus on the cross or the Jesus that had some really tough things to say. They like to think about sweet little baby Jesus who never cried. Had to lay in that manger. Wrapped him in swaddling cloths. And and we think that just telling the story is what it's all about. But it's possible to get so caught up in the details that we miss the forest for the trees. Why does this story matter? You know, we get so caught up in in telling the whole Christmas story that, uh, you know, maybe we forget that out of all the Gospels, we've got four Gospels in our New Testaments. These are the documents that detail for us Jesus' life, death, resurrection. That's what the Gospel is. Or at least what it was originally. The story of Jesus. The message about Jesus. And in these four Gospels, there's only two of them that talk about things we typically think of as the Christmas story. Like wise men and shepherds and they don't even include the same details in all aspects Uh, but and of those two that talk about the Christmas story as we tend to think of it um, one of them actually starts by talking about the birth of John the Baptist first and in fact John the Baptist is the most consistent introduction to the gospel across the four gospels that we have He shows up as part of the introduction in all four Gospels. The story, the Christmas story as we think of it, only shows up in two. Is that interesting? (laughs) I actually wanted to start this series by talking about John the Baptist first, just to make a point. It didn't work out, because today's Christmas Day, we can't talk about John the Baptist (laughs) on Christmas Eve day. So, uh, we're going to save that for the first weekend in January, when I get back. From Christmas. And, uh, and, uh, and next week, while I'm gone, I'm excited. My cousin Trey, also at Oldham, don't worry, you're not going to be Oldham less next week. My cousin Trey, who's a new pastor across town at North Crossings Church, uh, a sister church of ours in Monroe, he's going to be filling in for me that day, is the plan. So, and he's going to kind of dive into this gospel thing that we're in as well and talk about the young man Jesus. Uh, The little we're told about him. And so uh, he'll be here next week kind of filling that gap in before we get on to John the Baptist. But let's not miss the forest for the trees today. Let's talk about why this matters so much. And if we'll focus on the truest wonder of Christmas, I believe it'll change who we are. And it'll change how we live we're in this series, the Gospel. We've broken it into three chapters: arriving, announcing, accomplishing. It's going to take us all the way through Easter. It's uh, what we might call a mega series. It's a long one, and we're going to look at the life and the ministry of Jesus, and ultimately his death and his resurrection. And along the way, my prayer for you, like the prayer, like what Jesus, uh, based on the words of Jesus in, in John eight thirty two, is that you would discover the truth. And that the truth would set you free. And that's also my prayer today. Finish this phrase for me. A long time ago, in a galaxy... <laughs> Alright, some of you are like, what just happened? <laughs> but, but a lot of you, maybe even most of you knew exactly where that was going. Uh, Just by a show of hands, how many of you would say, uh, I know where that comes from a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away? Yes. All cultures have things like this. Uh, Things that, and you know, if you said a few words, they'd be able to finish your sentence. Because there's just things that that we identify with and and bond over as a culture. Uh, And this was true of the culture that Jesus was born into. We've been saying, and we really painted a backdrop last week of what context Jesus was born into. And Jesus arrived at a particular place, a particular time. He was born into a particular sort of people. A Jewish people, the Israelite people. He was a Jew. And he lived in the first century. And so there's a Particular context he lived in, and if you had gone into that context and you had said uh, certain words, everyone would know what you were talking about. And and one of those words are words that you would also know because we share a lot of scripture with with the Jewish people, right? And still to this day, if you went to any uh, practicing Jewish person, they'd be able to finish this next phrase off, and I think a lot of you will as well. And that is, in the beginning, God created. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Everybody knows that. It's the first words in Genesis. The first words. What Genesis means beginning, right? In the beginning, God created. It opens the Jewish scriptures. It opens our scriptures and it's not an accident is it that the writer of John this gospel of John when he sat down to begin the story his message the gospel he began with the words in the beginning it wasn't a quote he didn't go on to say that God created the heavens and the earth he said in the beginning was the word But the reason he said in the beginning would be the same reason I would say a long time ago in a galaxy you know, you just all of a sudden you have the whole story of Star Wars in your mind, right? When I say that that in the back of your mind you're like, yeah I, I, I know Star Wars you know, if you've seen it and for us and certainly in Jesus' day when someone would say in the beginning they had the whole story in their mind How God spoke and light appeared. How God called order into creation. How he spoke and there came life just by his word. Because he's God. And and John, when he writes his gospel, it's no accident that he begins... Within the beginning. Words hold power. I think we underestimate in our culture how much power words have. Spoken or written. When I say in my home, it's time to go. Things start happening. Oh, it's powerful. It's powerful. That doesn't mean that we go... But things start happening. You know, whining, complaining, uh, looking for shoes as slowly as possible. All these things begin to happen, all because I said, "Time to go." Just my words spoken. Cause I've been have been talking to Julie about her attitude. Uh, (laughs) No. Whining, complaining, looking for shoes. (laughs) No, no, no. Words hold power. That's a a part of me leaves my body when I speak those words and causes something in other people that I couldn't have even caused if I had physically tried to, (laughs) you know, force them to do it. Words are powerful. If you think about, uh, you know. Through history, one of my favorite examples, because I love the revolutionary time period, American Revolution, and and the history of that time period. If you're familiar with the name Thomas Paine, the guy that wrote uh, a little pamphlet called Common Sense, still to this day, I don't think it's ever going to be beat in American culture, the most widely distributed and uh, and best-selling per capita book in history. They read it in taverns, in any kind of public meeting place. It, it was distributed widely throughout the colonies. And it stoked the embers, the, the spark that had already begun a revolution in their hearts. And it was just a few months later that new words were penned that we call the Declaration of Independence. Words can even spark revolution. Think about like a judge and a jury their words hold power, don't they? What they speak in that moment of verdict can hold life and death for someone. If, if human words can hold that much power, how much more so the words of God. He speaks and things start happening. And what's remarkable is according to the gospel that word that part of God that goes out and makes things happen that part of God that that did that at creation he took it and wrapped it in the same flesh which his word wrapped us in Is that not mind-boggling? The word that went forth from God and wrapped humankind in flesh was itself wrapped in flesh. That's Christmas, friends. You can have all the wise men and shepherds and little babies and angels and stars in the world It wouldn't amount to much if it wasn't for that fact that God took a part of Himself, the part that makes things happen, and He wrapped it in flesh. He became one of us. He dwelt among us, walked among us. Most didn't recognize Him for who He was, some did. And we are the descendants of their faith. We who believe that it wasn't just a baby, it was the Word. And the Word was God. And the Word was with God. Jesus once said. Before Abraham was. I am. This is not an ordinary person we're talking about. You can call him crazy. Or you can wrestle. With what he said. And what it must mean. If this really is. The person who died and resurrected. Then surely claims like this the Christmas claim, and claims that that he himself made deserve our attention. And this beautiful opening to the Gospel of John, it starts off by calling Jesus the Word, and then it gives some other descriptive words for that Word. Words like, life, Light. Grace. Truth. In that word. Was life. That's not surprising. If the word is the one that called life into being in the first place. Light. Again not surprising. He's the one that called light. In the first place, grace and truth, they tell us something about God. In fact, that to me is the the coolest part of all of this. Is that if God took a part of himself and wrapped himself in flesh, then all those questions we have about what is God really like? And all the misconceptions we have about what God is really like can be held up against something more tangible. They can be held up against Jesus, a flesh and blood person who was more than flesh and blood, who was the revelation of God. And we can hold all of our ideas and our questions up against him. And we can actually get some answers. That doesn't mean that we won't still have any questions left. But it's certainly a far cry from where we were without Jesus. And where the world is without Jesus. This is a unique claim. This thing we call incarnation. That God took on flesh. That God became humankind. This is not a, a, a normal claim. you know. They, a lot of times they say that uh, religion to religion, it's not much different. Um, this religion looks at it this way and that one looks at it that way and they all have their different stories and their different holidays and uh, Christmas is one of our holidays and they've got their holidays. Nobody makes claims like this. Oh, there's been claims in the past of, in pagan cultures and all of, of like demigods, like like some god, like Zeus, or somebody, you know, had a, had a child with a human, and then that child became, you know, like a quasi-god, you know, that, that had, was more powerful than a human, but not quite a god, you know, he dwelt on earth. This is not that. This is something different. Because Christians have claimed, from the earliest days, that Jesus was both fully God and fully man. And that's, yes, hard for us to wrap our minds around. Jesus himself made all those kinds of audacious claims. Few enough believed. Fewer still after he died. But after he resurrected. <laughs> people started taking note what was that he said again (laughs) wait a second who is this guy we thought he was maybe God's chosen one God's Messiah but maybe he's something more see he's not just a Messiah he's not just some guy that God picked to be his chosen one and to do the things he wanted to do he's the word he's part of God that God wrapped in flesh to become like one of us to do what we could not do on our own save ourselves this is the Christmas hope is that not incredible it's audacious here's the amazing thing I'm in John 1 a lot of you are too to all who receive it to those who believed and still yet believe in his name he gave the right he gave the right we talk about rights a lot this is incredible to me he didn't just give you the opportunity he gave you the right to become children children Of God. Just believe, and you'll have the right to walk into a new life if you want to. To become children of God. Sometimes, you know, we talk about uh, everybody in the world being the children of God, or all creation being the children of God. This is not that. There is a sense in which you know, God as the one who created everything is the father of all things. But this is something different. When, when they talk about being adopted into his family and being a child of God in the sense that Jesus was the only begotten child of God, we are adopted children of God. At least we have that opportunity. And so, this is the really cool thing about the incarnation is that because God became a child, I and you can become a child of God. Because God became a child, you can become a child of God. This is why Christmas matters. It's not just a fun story. It's not just a sentimental thing. It's not just, you know, tis the season. God became a child so that you could become a child of God. And how does this happen? He tells us, and this is a theme throughout John's Gospel, he tells us that we can become children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will but born of God see in that day especially amongst the Jews there was only one way you became a part of God's people legitimately which was to be born of the right blood of the right descendants to have the right family tree the genealogies thing was so important to them because you had to come from the right tree for uh, eons humans have been trying to exclude one another haven't we? Based on race culture, nationality you name it if there's a difference that's <laughs> not just something that happened a long long time ago, I mean good grief it still happens today in some corners of the world and maybe to some degree in most corners of the world. Certainly we have an example very clear in our memory. It may seem like a long time ago to you, Hitler and World War II and all that, but it wasn't so long ago. Less than a century. God says, not so with me. Doesn't matter who you are, where you came from. Poor people can become a child of God and often do so more frequently than rich people. Outcasts can become a child of God and often do in greater numbers than the in crowd. The people. Or the weakest often come in in greater numbers than those who are the most powerful. It doesn't matter what you look like, where you came from. You have this opportunity, this right, if you believe that God took on flesh and dwelt among us to become yourself children of God. You can walk into that You can walk into it today. What does this mean in our lives? I was thinking that, you know, in the beginning, God created light, right? He called forth light and it shone into the darkness. And then John picks up on that and he says that when the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us that it was as if light pierced through the darkness. There's something about that word of God that makes light show up. And of course, in creation we're speaking of like a literal darkness a concrete darkness but then when, when you're talking about Jesus coming into the darkness we understand that metaphor for what's going on in our world and in our lives, right? The darkness that sin has brought into our world you don't have to look far for it it's probably in your life but it's certainly right next door to you within uh, the last week I've received three people from amongst you who've reached out to me and said, I know someone who just committed suicide. Would you pray for this family? Three. In our little church family, that our little church family knows about, into the darkness, he came and he shone light. Light is something that casts out fear. But it's not always something that people like either. Because it's hard to hide in the light. The things that we like to hide. And yet, light is what gives us hope. Light is how we can see and find our way. And the cool thing about God becoming a child and living amongst us. As he experienced so much of what we experience. And he gives us hope in the midst of it. Now. He's not this God that's far and distant and out of touch. I don't know what your darkness might look like today. Or sometimes. If it's loneliness. Anyone ever feel lonely? You can feel lonely even in a crowd. This size. Jesus knows what it feels like to be lonely. He knows what it feels like to ask your friends to be there for you and they're not. And He can be there with you in the midst of your loneliness. Let Him shine light into your darkness. Is it grief? Is it temptation that's hard to overcome? We serve one who grieved. We serve one who's been tempted. Let him shine light into the darkness of your life, whatever it is. Call out to him, he's not far away. He came near. He's God with us. In the beginning, God also took the dust and He formed it. And the Word breathed life into the dust. And here we are. And that Word, I believe, still breathes life into people today. You believe that? Now, I have this crazy notion that if if we are the people of this God incarnate, that we should kind of reflect Him to the world around us. Like, oh, there's a criticism of the church. It goes something like this. You know. I, I think oh, there's a lot of people who aren't coming to church today on Christmas Eve who don't think that, that we have a clue what they're dealing with. You know? That we're out of touch. That we have nothing to offer them. That we don't know what it's like to face the kind of poverty that they face. That we don't know what it's like To face the kinds of addictions and things that they face. That we're out of touch. They feel like things are are stacked against them. And we wouldn't have a clue. Because we've never walked a mile in their shoes. And I would suggest that to some extent they might be right. If we serve... A God who didn't stay far away, but came and made his dwelling amongst us, then maybe sometimes we need to get out of our comfort zone and our four walls a little more and see what's really going on in the neighborhoods of our city and see increasingly how we can get in touch so that no one can say we're out of touch. What does it look like to be a child of God? We know what it looked like for God to become a child. Maybe we could do more of the kinds of things that he did. I don't know what your favorite part of Christmas is, But might I just suggest and offer this as a new favorite for you. That because God became a child, you can become a child of God. Would you be willing to consider that? Maybe at least put it in your top three (laughs) favorite things about Christmas. With all the things of Christmas that we love and hold dear, surely this ranks number one and gives meaning to it all. That God became a child so that you could become a child of God. And not just you, but the whole world. Anyone can do it. Because it's not about physical qualifications. It's about, do you believe? Great, then you have a right to become one. Walk into it. Leave your old life behind. Embrace his new way of life. This is the Christmas hope. So don't miss the forest for the trees this year. Tomorrow, as you celebrate, as you gather with family, and you enjoy that time. And don't miss the hope in the moments that sting a little, and you miss someone that can't be there. Don't miss the hope. Don't miss the forest for the trees. Jesus, the Word, became flesh. He offers life. He offers light. He's grace and He's truth. Grace. That undeserved love and favor and mercy, right? It's not like we earned Jesus coming. He came. Why? Because he loved. Why? Because we earned it? No. Because we needed it. And truth. May you discover the truth. The truth will set you free and it has the power to set others free as well. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this gift. God, wrapped in flesh, come as a child to the world he formed. We admit sometimes that we make Christmas about a million things and miss out on the wonder that God would ever choose to become what he created, to rescue that creation from its own Devices. Holy Spirit, you know where each one is today. Meet them, God, in their loneliness. Meet them in their grief, in their struggles, and their pain. Because that's who you are, that's what you do. And may we be known as the people who carry on your mission into the darkest corners of our world.